morning, everyone. Uh, welcome. My name is Amy, and I'm the rector here. And this is a Sunday we call Transfiguration Sunday. But before we get into that, I want to tell a story. Some of you know that I grew up in Texas, and that my husband Trent, who's running the soundboard, and I worked at a camp in Texas in college and in our 20s for kids with um, chronic illnesses and physical disabilities out in the Texas Hill Country. It's a really beautiful part of the state. And one of the things that I taught there was astronomy. And we had this really cool thing that we did so that we could also do astronomy during the day. So we did go and look at the stars at night, but during the day we had this star lab. And it was basically this big inflatable dome. We put it in one of the biggest rooms in camp, this room that was almost all windows, so normally all sunlight. But we would inflate this dome and it was this really thick fabric where you couldn't see any light through it. And when it was all inflated and set up, you could fit like 15, 20 people, you could fit wheelchairs in there, you could fit a lot of people. You could stand up in the middle. So we would inflate the dome, go inside, turn on this projection of the night sky, and then wait for our eyes to adjust. And after a little while, they would adjust, and we would start to be able to see the stars, we would tell stories, I would do the map of the constellations. It was really cool. And the longer we were in that dome, and the more our eyes adjusted, the more we would actually kind of forget that we were inside under this fabric. We would sort of start to feel like this was the expanse of the night sky. It was really cool. But then, towards the end of summer, because camp is hard on expensive equipment, this Star Lab got this little tear at one of the seams, just one of the places that the fabric was stitched together. And as soon as it got that tear, the sunlight from outside came in and was, like, blinding. There was only a little bit of it, but we couldn't see the stars anymore, and it completely destroyed any illusion that we were under that we were actually sitting under the night sky. Suddenly it was really clear, we are in a fabric dome, this is fake starlight, this is where we are. It just took away all trickery. And I wanted to tell that, I'm going to come back to that story a few times, but that is the story I want us to hold on to for Transfiguration Sunday, because that's the story that we just heard from Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus is changed. He is transfigured right before his disciples' eyes. And once they see that light, they can't unsee it. They can't ever imagine again that what they see in this created world is all there is. It's like this tear in the dome. It's this blinding light. And they know this isn't everything. And this is one of those passages that I think is really best left to artists and poets. It doesn't really do well with hard exegesis. It kind of evaporates all the mystery. So I think instead of kind of digging into interpretation today, what I want to try and do is invite us, as I think the passage invites us, into contemplation, even into imagination, and I hope even adoration. My prayer coming into this Sunday has been that we would see Jesus, that we would see Jesus. So this isn't going to be a very sermony sermon, and some of you are probably happy about that, and some of you might be inwardly groaning, but we're all just going to be okay. 
So um, I do think it's a sermon that's faithful to the revelation of Jesus that we get in this passage. Well, in addition to this being Transfiguration Sunday, it's also the last Sunday of the season of Epiphany. So that's the season that begins right after Christmas, and it's all about light and showing and revealing. We talk about stars. We talk about candles. It's the season where we dwell on what it means that the light of God has come into the world in the person of Jesus and that the darkness can't overcome it. And this season saves the brightest light for the last Sunday, the transfiguration, this moment. This is when the light of Christ finally bursts through the created world and shows itself. And the Eastern Orthodox tradition calls this uncreated light. It's not the light of stars or candles or even the sun. It is this uncreated light, not a light that was made, but a light that just is. It's the beauty and the glory and this luminous splendor of Jesus that just comes from his personhood, from his very being, and it shines out at the transfiguration. Which means that really what the disciples see on the mountain is this vision of what really actually is all the time who Jesus really is all the time. Because the miracle isn't so much the transfiguration, it isn't that they see this light. The real miracle is that most of the time, the light is concealed. Most of the time, the light is hidden. The miracle is that this uncreated light has taken on human flesh and all of its humility and its hiddenness and its weakness in the person of Jesus. And it's that flesh and that weakness that actually sets the context for transfiguration. Because when this event happens, Jesus is on his way to the cross, and he knows it. In the previous chapter of Matthew, he has told his disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be killed. And he's told them that if they are going to follow him there, that they are going to suffer, that they are going to lose their lives, that they are going to die to themselves and pick up their own crosses. So they are already on this journey with Jesus toward his death, and in a way toward their own death too. They are on this journey toward the death of what they thought their life was going to be, what they thought the Messiah was going to be, what they thought they understood. They are all on the way to the cross. But first, we get this, this transfiguration, this blaze of uncreated light, this bright cloud, this voice of the Father repeating the words from Jesus' baptism, this is my Son, the Beloved. They get the hand of Jesus touching them. They get the voice of Jesus beckoning them. Get up. Don't be afraid. Just the glory of this whole episode. And can you imagine being Peter or James or John and seeing this, witnessing this Jesus, and then carrying this memory when they see that same Jesus down the road 
on the cross, when they see the same Jesus bruised and bloodied and mocked and spit on and eventually crucified. If we go back to our star lab metaphor, what the disciples see here is more than just a little tear at the seam. It is like the whole dome has been ripped apart and all the light has flooded in just for a minute, but then it gets stitched back up. And then the world starts to feel very closed in and very dark, and they walk with Jesus toward his death. But they are changed because they have seen reality. They have seen Jesus as he really is. They have beheld this uncreated light that's just on the other side of the veil. So they can't ever pretend again that this is all. And so we wonder, how is this vision going to change their perception and their experience and their lives as they are on their way to the cross? How is this transfiguration going to sustain them? How is it going to reassure and comfort them? How is it going to prepare them or even convict them as they follow Jesus to the cross and as they pick up their own crosses? And that's the question for us. How is this vision of Jesus going to change us? When the little dome of our lives feels very tightly stitched, very closed in, very dark, very much filled with earthquakes, with anniversaries of wars, with shootings, with racism, with a thousand crosses that feel too heavy for us to bear, when our eyes have really adjusted to the darkness in here, how is this vision going to change us? Because there really is uncreated light just on the other side, and we are invited to gaze upon it. We are invited to see the Jesus that is revealed in the words of Scripture, in our prayers at this table, in this community, in the world that he made, in our songs, and our silences? How can looking at Jesus, really learning to gaze at him, to behold his glory and his beauty and his humility, how can that vision sustain us? How can it reassure us? How can it prepare us? How can it even convict us? Well, a few years ago, um, when I was still in seminary, which took me a long time to get through, uh, so maybe four or five years ago, I went to this academic conference at my seminary. It was a conference on Christology, which is just a fancy seminary word for learning about Jesus. And what I remember most from this conference is not really what any of the speakers said, but that there was this time at the end where the Q&A had kind of morphed into just this open conversation and people were coming up to the mic and asking things and dialoguing with the panel because I think people didn't really want the conversation to end. And there was this older man there, someone that I had seen around campus. He came to chapel sometimes. He came to these kinds of events. I don't know his story. But he came up to the mic and he said, I'm dying of cancer. I probably won't be at this conference next year. And I think what I want to say about Christology 
about learning about Jesus is that right now, I can't stop thinking about the transfiguration. I can't stop thinking about Jesus on the mountain and that light, and all I want is to be transfigured. All I want is to be part of it. I want to be in that light with Jesus. And then he just sat down. And that is always what I think about when I hear this passage. I always think about this man for whom the veil in his own life was so thin between life and death and heaven and earth and between himself and Jesus. This man's star lab was coming apart at the seams. And I think he is our best guide into this text. Because it's a thin text. It's a text that is coming apart at the seams. It's inviting us to look and to contemplate and to worship and to long, to long to see light, to long to be light, to long to be transfigured, to be taken in to the glory of Jesus. So we're going to do something a little different this morning. Um, The ushers have a painting of the transfiguration that they're going to pass out. And we're going to practice looking. We're going to practice beholding. That's really what this story just invites us to do. So we're going to try this ancient Christian prayer practice called Visio Divina, which is just Latin for sacred looking, sacred seeing. And as these are getting passed out, um, this is a painting of the Transfiguration, and it's by a Bulgarian artist named Venceslav Priyankovov. That is his name. And once we all have these, I'll walk you through what we'll do. And if interacting with art and doing these weird contemplative prayer things is not your cup of tea, that is okay. I would invite you to just take deep breaths, to receive it, to know it's only going to last a few minutes, and to see what God will do with this space. So I want to invite you to get into a comfortable position as much as is possible in these chairs and have this painting before you in a comfortable way to relax your body and to take a deep breath. And as you look at this painting, just notice what catches your eye. I invite you, as you continue taking deep breaths, just to keep paying attention to what your eye is most drawn to. You don't need to know why. But to hold your gaze there, you're just going to practice paying attention. You're going to try keeping your eyes from wandering to the other parts, and just gaze at your one focal point for just a moment. And I'm going to read that transfiguration story again, as you do. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. 
And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud, a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. Now you can let your eyes wander. You can take in the whole image. And as you do, I invite you just to notice if there's anything stirring in you. Any emotions, any thoughts. Perhaps God is using this image to lead you into an attitude of prayer. Perhaps God is bringing something to mind. You might want to offer your prayers in silence now. You might want to write something down. Or you might want to just sit for a moment and practice looking. I'm going to close our time with a poem about the transfiguration from Madeline Langle. Suddenly they saw him the way he was, the way he really was all the time, although they had never seen it before, the glory which blinds the everyday eye and so becomes invisible. This is how he was, radiant, brilliant, carrying joy like a flaming sun in his hands. This is the way he was, is, from the beginning, and we cannot bear it. So he manned himself, came manifest to us, and there on the mountain they saw him, really saw him, saw his light. We all know that if we really see him, we die. But isn't that what's required of us? Then, perhaps, we will see each other too. Mm -hmm.